right. Looks like Reach kids are already headed out, so that's good. Uh, didn't need to say anything. Uh, good morning, Reach Church. Morning. All right, so you know what day it is. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. That was, that was pretty pathetic, the, the excitement there. Oh. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me, Casey? Oh, okay, right, right. So we have, we have a couple, couple exciting things. Uh, first of all, we have, we have some new additions. So Carrie, do you want to wave over there? Gia's here for her first time, so. <laughs> and then we have another, another exciting announcement. The, the votes have recently got married, so this is their first time together, so Ethan and Taylor, so congratulations. Oh, Hannah's here? Where is she? Where's Hannah? Oh, come on. All right. She deserves the coffee. I'm sure she does. All right, so uh, exciting times. So uh, it is Father's Day. And uh, Casey and I have been talking a lot about Father's Day. If the father really deserves a Father's Day or not. Casey doesn't think so. Casey thinks that, that she works way harder. Mom should get two Mother's Days and that fathers should get the shaft. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've, been, I've been fighting with her. You know, like, no, like, fathers, we do a lot. It's a little more big picture, I recognize. Right, right? We, like, make sure that the, the family is financially taken care of. We're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. You know, we're making sure everyone's hearts are right. Uh, it's a big job. We might not have as much work to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah, but it's a lot of responsibility. It's, it's, a, different, it's a different kind of stress. So, so, I think the other dads agree with me, Casey. <laughs> you were a single dad. You, you win, you win, Jeff. You win. Um, so, uh, today we're talking about fathers. We're talking about fathers. Uh, we could focus on different aspects of fatherhood. I could talk about fathers as, as providers, as the sacrificers, as the the gift givers. I can talk about them as, as discipliners. Uh, all, of these, all of these roles that the father has. Uh, but today, today I want to focus on fathers as the ones who delight in their children. As the ones who delight in their children. Who just cannot wait to see them. Who, who delight to see their children with them. Now when... When I see Remy, when I see Remy, my, my job, my job is in some way to delight in Remy. And I think Remy is better than all of your kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just do, and that's my job. Like, I'm supposed to think that he's amazing and way better than everyone else. Um, and that, like, he does, he does the same thing, but, like, he did it better. And he's a genius because of it. Like, that's my job. That's my job. And that's all your job as dads, is to delight in your kids, to think that your kids are the best. I think mom, moms delight in their kids, but it's kind of a mixed bag with moms. Moms have to do all the other work, you know? But then we get to come home and just enjoy and delight in our kids. So, um, it's with that that we're looking at fathers today. And we're looking at a, kind of an unlikely passage, a passage in Zephaniah, which is all your favorite. Zephaniah, we're looking at <laughs> Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. Um, and we'll look at how the father, the father rejoices over his children. I do have a page number. Uh, I had it open. Let me, let me get it. All right. Zephaniah is on 789. 789. But we're going to be on 790, so that's confusing. Um, we're looking at verse 14. Looking at verses 14 through 17. And we're going to see that, that the Father delights in his children, and he delights in us as his children through nothing but Jesus. That because we are, we are children through Jesus, we have nothing to fear in our Father 
but he is the one who delights in us. So let's read Zephaniah on page 790, verses 14 through 17. Good? Ready? Let's do it. Sing aloud, O, daughters of, o daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That last part again. The Lord is in your midst. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Let's pray. <laughs> Come on, Gia. Come on. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, we pray to you as, as your children. And we thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we have nothing to fear because you are our Father. That you have us in, in your arms and Father, you don't just accept us, you delight in us and you rejoice over us and you sing over us. And Father, I ask that that would be the relationship that, that we know and that we love. And Father, would you remind us that it is through nothing but Jesus that we have that relationship with you. Would we enjoy it this day? We pray in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, let's see. Do we have too many Bibles up here? Sorry. Sorry. Demoted. All right. Uh, all right. First off, some, some context to Zephaniah. Now, who all knows what Zephaniah is about? Really? Um, all right. No, none of you know. So, Zephaniah is kind of the most unlikely book to get this kind of passage in. Because if you look at Zephaniah, what is Zephaniah about? Zephaniah is about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, which is the Bible's way of saying the, the day of judgment. The day of the Lord is the, is the day when the day, then the Lord comes down. And the Lord is present. And the Lord judges every sin. The judge comes down and he makes everything right. And when this judge comes, nothing is going to escape his eye. Nothing is going is to make its way past the sword of judgment. And he's going to come and judge Israel. He's going to judge, judge all people. And so in this book, we mostly see that this, this incredibly scary God who is distant and holy, who is righteous. The word calls him the, the all-consuming fire. The all-consuming fire. And that he is so holy and perfect that when he comes down to be in our presence, no one will stand. No one will stand. That he demands perfection. And that everything that is not perfect will be judged and will be taken away. All right, so that, that's one picture of, of God that we have here. God is judge. And then we have this singing God who's delighting in us over here. And we're wondering, okay, 
Is it, is it that he's both? Is it that he's one? Is it that he's, he's oscillating between the two? A lot of theological problems come up here because some people, they, they have God as judge. And they talk about God as judge and they, they come to God as judge. Other people come to God as the singing God, as a singing, rejoicing, happy God. And some of us, when we feel good, we have a singing God. When we feel bad, then we have a judge God. Now my hope is that we can kind of bring, bring this one God, these two gods into one, and we can think about him rightly. That he is judge and he is father, but he becomes one in Jesus. All right. So, with that in mind, let's, let's look at verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. All right, so this passage is after the day of the Lord. After the judgment. After the Lord has come down. And they're saying, you should be singing. Sing after the day of the Lord. Worship. Exult with all your heart. Now, how is anyone going to be singing after the day of judgment? Who's going to be singing? All right, we, want, we might think, okay, the, the good people will be singing. The good people who made it through the judgment will be singing. The people who, who God came down, he burned away everyone else, but they, these good people are left smiling and happy. All right, why does that not fit? I'd say, first of all, those people who think they're good, they're not very good singers. <laughs> all right, they're not, they're not, they're not good singers. If you meet people like that, who think that, that if, yeah, let the judgment come, I can handle it, those people are not often full of great joy. They're not enjoying God, they're not, they're not proclaiming it on the streets. Oftentimes, they're sitting at home resentful that this God isn't doing more. That he's not giving them what they need or what they want. These are not people who are singing and rejoicing and worshiping like these people are here. Have you met those people? Have you been that person before? I know I've been that person. I thought I'd survive the judgment, but I wasn't very happy. And I didn't delight in God. And the thing is that, that those people aren't ready to worship, but those people also are in for a rude awakening when the judgment comes. That, yeah, we can put on a good performance on the outside. But this is the all-consuming fire. And he sees, and he sees the, the actions, the emotions, the thoughts. And his standard is going to be that, that every, every thought that doesn't 100% put God first will be taken out. And every emotion that does not reflect the heart of Jesus will be burned away. And every action that isn't 100% motivated for the glory of God will be cut down. Those people who think that they're ready for the judgment, who are ready to receive God as judge, they're not. And if that's the God that you expect to find at the end of days, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. You don't want God as judge. You don't want God as judge. And so, 
Understanding that, who is going to be singing at the day of the Lord? Who is going to be singing after the day of judgment? And I'm going to say that it's not those who receive God as judge. It's those who receive God as Father. Those who will be singing, those who will be, make it through the day of judgment will be those who have God as a Father, not a judge. Look with me at, that, at verse 15. These people are singing because, verse 15, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never fear evil again. All right, so these people are rejoicing because, first, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. All right. It's not that they didn't have judgments. It's not that they were better than everyone else. It's that the Lord... He took those judgments away. He didn't hold them against them any longer. That yes, yes, they were just as evil thoughts, just as twisted of emotions, just as horrific of actions, but those judgments are not held against them. All right. Do you want to bear the judgment or do you want your judgment taken away from you? Those are our two options. Which one do you have a better chance with? I need my judgments taken away, and I think you do too. And if that's not how you're thinking about God coming and taking away your judgments, you're not going to be rejoicing on that day. All right, next thing. He has cleared away your enemies. Now, for some of these people, these people, they come... And the Lord doesn't come to destroy them. God comes to destroy the enemies. And so this day isn't something fearsome. This is a day of victory. That those who you battle are going to be taken out by your father. That you're going to be defended on that day and protected on that day and sheltered on that day. Now when I say that, okay, do, do you have enemies? Do you have enemies? Now, you shouldn't be thinking of people when I say that. Because right? those aren't your enemies. You shouldn't be thinking of, of other political parties. Those are not your enemies. All right, you shouldn't be thinking of, of Muslims or Hindus. or No, no, those people are not your enemies. Who are your real enemies? Is the sin in your heart? The evil that you commit every day? Your real enemy is the fact that you, you go home and try to be a good father, and within five minutes, you're impatient, and you're frustrated, and you don't want to be there anymore. That's your enemy. The real enemy is that, that you try to battle the same sin day after day, week after week, month after month, and you fall, and you fail, and you feel like you cannot gain victory. Those are your enemies. The sin in your heart is your greatest enemy. And what it's saying here is that these people, when God comes, he's going to destroy those enemies once and for all. That is why they rejoice. Because their father is going to take away their enemies. All right, last thing. Last thing that they're celebrating. They're celebrating, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never fear again. That they're excited 
that this God is coming because this God is not their judge. This God is not the judge. This is the God who's coming as their father. Now, how do children receive their fathers? You know, I, I can only say from my experience, but, but when Remy, Remy's waiting until five or six, and I get home, and he comes running, and he's excited, and you can tell what he's been doing for the last two minutes, because he comes out like half-dressed or holding a dinosaur. You know, he, he, was, he was ready, and he comes running the second I walk through the door. Now, that is how we're called to be. That we are not scared of this judge coming down. We're waiting for our father to get home. Because he will make everything right. And he will take us up in his arms. He will take away the enemies and there's nothing left to fear. Do you have God as father or God as judge? Now, the question is... Uh, how do we get like that? How do we confidently receive this God as father and not as judge? When we know how sinful we are, we know what, what lies in our hearts. We know the thoughts we have. We know the emotions that guide us. How do we get a God as father? Now, most of you probably know the answer. It's because, because God gave his one and only son the Father gave up His Son, His Beloved, so that we could be brought in. Now, what was the relationship between the, the Father and the Son before? It was the, fa the Father delighted in His Son. That the Father loves Jesus. We see it in His baptism. The, the Father calls out so that the world knows, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. He shouts that out as soon as he's baptized so that the world knows that this is one that he loves and delights in. And from eternity past, they have spent every second together enjoying each other's presence, delighting in one another, father and son together. Not for a second apart. But the problem was that, that if that stayed the way it was, when the day of the Lord came, everyone would be weeping. That no one would get to rejoice in that day. And so, the Son and the Father were separated. And the one and only Son, he came down here. And they were apart for the first time. But instead of, of God coming down in the day of the Lord, when Jesus came down, he came to suffer. He came to submit to the enemies. He came to bear God's wrath. And Jesus, up on the cross, he experienced his own personal day of the Lord. That sin became, came between him and his father. Now, what did, what did he cry on this cross? He cried, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that's the only place in the Bible where, where Jesus does not call his father, father. Because at that point, he wasn't receiving his God as father. He was receiving the judge. 
and the Lord was pouring out all of his wrath upon his son so that we could become sons and daughters. That Jesus received the judge so that we could receive the father. That is the great trade that was taking place. And the Lord was pouring out the, the day of the Lord upon his son so that we would not receive that day of the Lord. So when that day of the Lord comes, we don't have to receive him as judge. We've already been up on the cross. We've already received the death. Now we get to receive him as father. That's the work of Jesus. That's what he did. That's why we can worship and rejoice on the day of the Lord. That's why when he comes, he's not going to come as our enemy, but the enemies of our enemies to bring victory and to give us freedom. Now, what's the result of all of that? What's the result of all of that? You shall never fear evil again. You shall never fear evil again. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let your hands not grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. All right, so there's evil. And, but when the, our Lord, our Father comes, we no longer fear it. All right, that, that includes the evil in our hearts. We don't have to fear our own evil. The shame and the guilt and the burden of our own evil, we don't have to fear it anymore. That there's no more judgment. All right, you know, you know the, that movie Double Jeopardy? All right, double jeopardy. You can't get punished for the same thing twice. All right? Jesus was already punished once. God cannot punish our sins again. He cannot destroy us for our sins. That'd be unjust. That we cannot receive a judge. All we receive is him as father. We don't have to fear our own evil anymore. And we don't have to receive, we don't have to fear the, the evil outside of us. As, we, as Randy already said, that he is our father. He is working all things for good. And he is working all things so that when he comes, we are in perfect safety and perfect joy. The enemy cannot win. No enemy can defeat us. Jesus has already been defeated and raised from the life. Been raised from the dead so that we have victory. We cannot fear evil anymore. But then last, and most of all, most of all, we don't have to fear God anymore. We don't have to fear him as judge. We can receive him as father. As the father who delights in his children. And if God said, this is my son, this is my son, he says that now to us. You are the sons in which God is well pleased. What does he say? He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is the God of the universe, that same scary God, that same scary judge turned into father in Jesus. And now he is praising us. He is singing over us. He is delighting in us. Now what does that do for us? What does that do for us? I hope that for many of you that that's incredibly healing. Because I know that for many of you, you did not have a father who delighted in you. 
You did not have a father who sang over you. And you've always waited for that. You've always wished you had that. Well, here it is. Here's your father singing over you and delighting in you and praising you as he should have from long ago. This is incredibly healing. This is a, this is a powerful solution to, to the sin in our hearts. Because we are desperate for approval. We want the approval of people. We are people pleasers. We run after the things of the world so we might be accepted. But here is, here is God our Father rejoicing over us. That's where God is not just satisfied with you. He's not just content to, to accept you. No, he, he loves you. He likes you. He actually enjoys you. He doesn't just put up with us. Now, are you living under that? Are you living as if that's true? Now, I know the back in all of our heads is, but, but that can't be. I'm a sinner. He can't love sinners. He can't delight in me. I don't do things that are delightful. And that's where it's, it's only through Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's what his son has already done for you. You are a son in him. And if that's true, then that can't be taken away. That can never be lost. That is permanent forever for eternity. And so I'm going to give you one, one charge from this. One charge. All right. Please don't be a teenager with God. All right, there's teenagers and, they're, and like they, they are aloof and they're moody and they stay away from their parents because they're too cool. Like, don't be a teenager. Be a toddler with God. All right, be a toddler who like gets excited and runs to him and wants to be in his presence because we don't need to receive God as a scary judge. We don't need to stay back from him. He wants to delight in us. Let's go delight in him. Let's run to him and be with him because we can be in Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our Father. We do not deserve it. We will not make it through with you as judge. And so, Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son, your one and only, that, that we may be called sons and daughters of you. Father, I ask that you would you would take away our sins, that you would wash us through Jesus. Father, would you give us faith to believe that what Christ has done is enough, that we come to you as children through nothing but Jesus, nothing that we have done. Father, would you help us to worship you and love you and run to you because you are our Father, that we delight in you and you delight in us. Father, would you help us to worship even now? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.